You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hello, hello, Slow Down Society. Episode number 109 of the Slow Living Podcast is here. And today we're going to be answering some questions that I've gotten uh, throughout the years and a little bit more in the last few days on publishing. And the last few days, it's because it came up in a Facebook group. And so I just want to, to share and be honest and be vulnerable and truthful of how I got to write books and the steps that I took to get there. I have um, an 11th book coming out next fall, and that um, is with Dexterity Publishing. But I wanted to talk a little bit about my publishing journey and maybe dispel some myths about publishing in case you have a book inside of you that you want to write and you wanted to know how to go about making it happen, putting it out there. Uh, We are living in a pretty gosh darn amazing time where everyone has a computer in their back pocket. So um, some of my writing friends just pull out their phone and they hit the microphone button and they start recording And then that recording turns into words and, and you can turn that into a book. You can do so much. So if you have the idea, I wonder if there's a book in me or, or maybe you're planning out your retirement and you wanted to write a memoir or you wanted to write a family history, or if you wanted to kind of dust off maybe a paper you wrote in college and turn it into a nonfiction book. Or maybe you have characters that you've been dreaming about that you want to bring into life. Um, this hopefully will will help and, and shine a little bit of light along the way. I am not an expert in any way. I have traditionally published and self-published, and there's our pros and cons to both. And I will be honest and share the the money attached, um, not in a show-offy way, but in a helpful way. And also, I am recording this one in 2023. My first book offer was in 2007, and the publishing world has changed. There is a lot that has changed between then and now. And a lot of it is exciting because anyone can just kind of plop something up on the internet and, and publish. And that's great. But if you wanted to go a traditional route, a traditional publishing route, it's, it's different. It's more difficult than it used to be. And so I will share my thoughts with you about that. Okay. All right. So Steph of 2007-ish is when I got my first book deal. But it started 
earlier. My, my idea that I wanted to write started in probably 2001-ish, 2002-ish. So I grew up with my dad being a published author and my grandma being a published author. And sometimes when people hear that, they think, oh, well, they paved the way for you. Well, sort of. They showed me that it was possible with hard work and determination and um, sort of helped me with that metaphor of shoveling sand. You just shovel sand in the sandbox in order to get your thoughts out there, in order to get your words out there. And then later, the magic happens in the editing. Later, you go back and you make sandcastles. So I learned that with them. I learned how to structure um, my thoughts on paper in school by writing essays and, and them helping. My mom isn't. Well, she's been in the newspaper, I'm sure, a bunch of times and has written things that have been published, but um, not at a bookstore. But she is an amazing editor. And practically everything I've ever written since about second grade on, my mom has edited. So every book I've ever written, every magazine article, newspaper article, mom has edited. And so I'm very fortunate to have her because um, she pokes at some of my writings like, yeah, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. And so that makes me a better writer. When I was writing the cookbooks, mom would help me put all of the ingredients in order the way a cook would use them. So they made sense because my brain sometimes is a jumbled mess and mom would, would edit that for me and put them in order. She is fantastic at that and I am not. So that's helpful. But as far as grandma and dad paving the way, no. So I was interviewed once on a podcast and they were sort of insinuating that and, um, you can't go back and uh, re-interview with someone, but but no, <laughs> the 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 idea to start writing books and how to be in charge and and get into the driver's seat happened probably in. 2002. So my oldest was born in 2001, and. Um, I was very fortunate that I got to stay home with her for four months. And then when I went back to work, she came with me. She came with me into a county courthouse and I was running a childcare center at the time. And I started listening to audiobooks on tape that we would check out from the local library. And a lot of them were, um, ooh, let me think I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, a lot of them were on self-help and personal development. I listened to Dennis Watley. I listened to um, Thomas Stanley. I listened to Stephen Covey. I listened to a lot of those kind of like old school self-help, personal development books on tape. Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn. Listened to all of that and realized that they were... Um, white men <laughs> uh, who were born in uh, a, a long time ago. So, I mean, Zig Ziglar at the time was was already pretty old. But um, so kind of baby boomerish or or um, the great generation. So the generation 
born right after the Great Depression. Those were the ideas of the people that I were listening to kind of over and over again. And they were, they were similar ideas kind of repackaged and repurposed. And so I liked listening to them, but I realized that the ideas weren't applicable to me as a young wife and mother. And I wanted that for myself. So Stephen Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I was listening to that audio cassette. And then there was something else that the library had, and I don't know the name of it, but it was in the same section and it was just time management. It was how to use the Franklin Covey time management system. And so it was recording and it was probably in a seminar that he gave to businessmen on how to use the Franklin Covey kind of calendar system. So it was this calendaring journaling system. And I was listening to it. And so I remember pausing the tape and then Googling. And this, again, 2002. So the internet was there, but it was kind of still in its infancy. I don't even know if there was Google and if I was doing everything in, in Yahoo. But I was trying to find what this was. And I didn't like it. And I had the, a day planner that I was using for work. And I didn't like it. I liked the idea of something that was geared towards women and moms and families where it told you what your daily chores were and you just kind of checked them off. And so I ended up finding the contact information for the Franklin Covey company. And I, I cold emailed them and I pitched them. And I said, I wanted to create a planner for moms, a, a planner that had the daily chores in it and had meal ideas. And it told you when to make a doctor's appointment and told you when to um, check in with your friends. And it, it prompted you to write out all of the birthdays for a year on a certain date. Um, it told you when to start shopping for, for the winter holidays, for Christmas, for Hanukkah. It told you when to thaw your turkey for Thanksgiving. I wanted all of those things within a planner already done for you. So we emailed back and forth and they liked my idea and they passed it along to like business development. And then nothing happened and nothing happened and nothing happened. So I remember following up, I don't know, on the sixth or seventh time. And by then we're probably in 2003-ish. And I ended up sort of being dismissed and was given a 15% off coupon for Franklin Covey planners. And, uh, and that was the end of the email chain. And I remember being pissed. <laughs> I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. So 2003-ish is when I stopped working at the courthouse and, and I stopped working and I'm, I'm sure I've talked to you about this before on the podcast, but um, the Scott Peterson case was coming into the courthouse and we had these um, bailiffs looking at the security and they decided that it wasn't super safe and if there was ever a jailbreak, that something would happen. And then they pointed to my two-year-old on the floor and said, well, we wouldn't want anything to happen in this one now, would we? And so I, I locked the door, pulled down the shade, uh, burst into tears, quit, called Adam, and that was how I stopped working. <laughs> for the county at the time. And so uh, it, it worked out fine. We um, got out a map and 
we uh, realized where we were living and we'd have to kind of move away from the, the, the general San Francisco barrier where it was too expensive. We wanted to get our feet wet in the housing market. So we circled out, found a house, lived in it, loved it. So while I was in this new house and, and we're having baby number two and all of this stuff, the idea of this book, of this planner, wouldn't die in my brain. And I really wanted this to come alive. So back to the library, um, brought home a whole bunch of how to get published books and finding um, a literary agent book. So I realized in order to be traditionally published, I needed a literary agent. And so I got a book from the library that, and this is old school, uh, and it listed all of these literary agents' names and addresses. And so I um, started querying. I started emailing. And I had put together a book proposal. And um, the book proposal, I followed step-by-step Elizabeth Lyons' guide of nonfiction book proposals that anyone can write. So I found this book at the library and then I ended up buying it. Um, and I still have it on my shelf and I still open it to this day and follow step-by-step her outline on how to write a nonfiction book proposal. So in order to get a literary agent, they don't want the whole proposal. They just want a query letter. So I, um, stuffed envelopes. And I queried a lot of agents. I don't have the right number, but I did it in lots of 30. And then I would go down to the post office and mail them off. And it needed to have a self-addressed stamped envelope inside your one page letter. And then that was all sort of folded into a regular envelope. And, um, I queried from 2003 to 2007, um, in batches of 30. And then I would get my self-addressed stamped envelope back, uh, with a no (laughs) letter. Um, no one, no one wanted, (laughs) no one wanted what I was selling. And, um, and it was pretty discouraging. And I remember being on the phone with my friend Jenny and going over all of the no letters and all of the reject letters and her telling me, it doesn't matter how many no's you get because you only need one yes. And her words are what kept propelling me forward and what kept pushing me towards trying an, another batch of 10, another batch of 20, and and just going back to the 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 post office and buying more stamps and 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 keep trying. At the time, I was writing a newspaper column um, for the the little local newspaper. They were not paying me. Um, called Steph and Sensibility, and I was uh, giving talks for our local mothers group. So I already knew that the ideas that I had were helpful and useful because I was using them and I was teaching them. Um, but that, uh, planner book took years and years and years. And, and finally I got an email back from a literary agent. So, um, because 
<laughs> the the internet had changed so much that now um, the the querying from two thousand and three ish to two thousand and seven ish had shifted over into email. So I got an email back from um, a literary agent, and she asked for the proposal. So I snail mailed a um, a pink uh, folder, a pink pocket folder. Uh, that I had printed the full proposal in and some chapters, some some sample writing in and send it back to her. And then she uh, she did accept me as an agent. And I remember writing back to her email telling her that I was uh, just so happy and if I could buy her a pony, I would. And then she wrote back that the pony wasn't necessary, um, but she would start querying um, publishing houses. And so then she did, she queried publishing houses, um, in batches of five or six at a time for a few years. So this was probably, um, early 2007 ish that she, um, became my agent and, um, and queried for a few years. Is that right? Yeah. A few years. So we, um, the, the crockpot site started in 2008, and I did not have a, um, uh, we hadn't been able to sell that um, planner book, so um, yet. And so started the Crock-Pot site, and then in the middle of the Crock-Pot site, um, uh, did get to go on Rachel Ray, and then did sell that book. So that was totally together shortcuts to an organized life. And I, I remember the agent, her name was Allison wrote to me and, um, it got picked up by Berkeley publishing, I think for $4,000 with 4% royalties, which is, uh, not great royalties and not a great advance, but I said yes. And, um, and so, uh, so totally together, shortcuts to an organized life um, got picked up, and I started writing and doing things. And um, for that book, while the Crockpot site was still moving forward and and still working, and then once that episode aired, um, the publisher for totally together started getting a little anxious and worried that that people were were more interested in the the crock pot cooking stuff and um and they fell through so i i got fired from that um and that did not feel good um but then there was all of this momentum for the Crock-Pot cookbook. So once that aired in July, I was filmed for Rachel Ray in February. And once that aired in July, cookbook publishers started emailing me. And I ended up signing a contract. And that first book, I think we were offered um, $70,000 advance for that with 8% royalties. And that's pretty standard royalty rate of 8%. The $70,000 was a nice amount of money. And I was very excited about that. And so we took that money and we banked it. And um, and then that book went really well. I sold uh, the first run 
of it. So the first, I think it was like 55,000 copies was the first run. I sold out of that um, early. I, I don't remember. I don't have the contracts in front of me. I don't remember what the time frame was, but it was early enough that I got a bonus of about, I think it was 20 grand and an additional 20 grand, which again, we banked. And, um, and then the, the royalty rate, eight, eight-ish percent. Um, I received checks from that first book for a few years. Um, I'm recording this in 2023. I have not received any sort of check for years. I know they're first, they're still selling, um, cause people tell me and, uh, but I, I, I don't have any checks from that. So the way the agents work is the agent helps you, uh, get the contract with a publishing house and then the agent takes 10% right off the top. So the publishing house sends your royalty checks to the agent first, and then the agent takes her cut and then sends you a check. Um, and that's twice a year. In general, what I have learned from publishing and from my publishing friends, uh, and friends who ha- are also published authors, is um, the money is in the advance and try and get as much as you can then and there because it's really hard to track down royalties. Um, I've never really understood reading the statements I'm not going to hire a forensic accountant to go over the numbers to see if any of it is correct. So, um, so it, it just is what it is. The, the second book, more Make It Fast, Cook It Slow, uh, came out, um, I don't know, the following year or year after. And the, the publishing house asked me to write the proposal for that. And, uh, and so I did, I, um, and that the idea for that was budget friendly. So the, the advance price for that was lower. Maybe it was 45, 45,000, 50,000. It was definitely lower. Um, and again, banked that money. Um, and then I don't think we ever really saw royalties from that book. I think we mostly continued to see royalties from the, the first cookbook. Um, and then that publishing house, because I didn't sell the second one very well, they fired me. <laughs> I, I, I was dropped, um, from that publishing house and it, and it got kind of acquired by, um, another one. And then because of that, trying to track down the royalties and, and trying to do all the things, the, the accounting got muddied and I stopped seeing money from that. Um, in the middle between those first two books and then the second two books, Totally Together came out. So Totally Together was picked up by a different publisher. And I think that advance went from like 4000 to 8000 So that first one, even though the contract fell through, I got to keep that money. Um, and then... The second advance um, was, I think it was still low. It was like $8,000. And the the royalties crept up to 10% or 12%. But that book has never sold well. So even though <laughs> that was my first proposal and that was the the book that I really liked and loved, it, it just never really 
took off. And so I've never seen a dime of royalties for that. And so that's why getting traditionally published is so hard because you have to prove that the publishing house is going to make money. And, and most books do not sell very well. So if you're already famous or if you're already a celebrity, it's much easier to get a publishing deal because the book will just sell from name recognition alone and you can kind of prove that the publishing house will make the money back from the advances. So the way the advances work is it's an advance on your royalties. So I don't know the mathing on how much I would have needed to sell in order to earn back my advance and then also get royalties. But the publishing house knew that. And it was all outlined in a, a chart in the contract that I signed. Um, but, but that's why sometimes you never see royalties because you don't earn back your advance. So the second two books were um, 365 Slow Cooker Suppers and um, and that book sold very well, and I did get a good advance for that. Maybe that was back to another fifty thousand or something like that. And I did get royalties on that book. That book sold well. It had pictures. It still sells well. I do not have royalties. Um, I I don't work with that agent anymore. Um, I have no idea where any of the royalties are. Um, <laughs> I just don't. Uh, and then the the same publishing house after that one sold well asked me to do the five ingredients or less slow cooker cookbook. And so I wrote the proposal for that. And, um, and then it didn't sell as well. So I think what I have learned is the publishing house gets really excited and puts a bunch of money and publicity for the first book and then sort of rides the coattails of that first book with the second book. The second book just doesn't do as well, just doesn't. And, um, and so then they, that's a nice excuse for them to drop you. And that is exactly what happened. Um, so from there, I, uh, I wanted a little bit more ownership. I had continuously pitched and tried to pivot away from only talking about crockpots and only talking about cooking. I, I wanted more of a personal development angle. I had, I had pitched a, a slow living or, or slow, um, lifestyle book for many years and no one would bite it. So I decided I would self-publish, um, how to live slowly. And so I self-published how to live slowly and I self-published the mommy blogger next door. And then, um, I had tried, uh, unsuccessfully to pitch Clean Less, Play More for quite a few years to, to publishing houses. And, um, and my literary agent did try to sell that. She tried really, really hard to sell that. And that was based upon um, this kind of Clean Less, Play More system and the Daily 7, which is outlined in the Totally Together Shortcuts to an Organized Life journal. And and I, I talk about it in... Um, the, the peace course quite a bit because in general, people who like crockpot cooking 
are are also interested in getting chores done and over with quickly, easily, efficiently. And so it was a similar market, but the publishing houses didn't see that. And so I did try and sell that book for years and years, and I had a full-fledged proposal, um, and nothing happened with it. So I self-published that, and then I had been interested in intermittent fasting. So I self-published 246 Eat Intermittent Fasting Simplified. And I never wrote a proposal for the intermittent fasting book. I did have a proposal for the mommy blogger next door. And I ended up on the phone with a, um, a very, very well-known publishing house. I actually, uh, with the CEO of that publishing house. And um, he wanted me to turn that into a course on how moms can make money at home blogging. And I was uncomfortable with that because the internet changes constantly and blogging changes constantly. And at that time, um, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour, uh, The 4-Hour Works, what is that? The, I don't remember what it was called. The 4-Hour Work Week or something came out. And, um, and I'd read that book and I realized I didn't do any of the things that he recommended in that book. And um, I had already started to feel like a lot of what I was doing was kind of fluky-ish, <laughs> if that's a term. And so I, I didn't feel comfortable um, writing The Mommy Blogger Next Door in a way that it was a recipe for if you do it this way, you will have success. I already could tell that the internet changed so much that the second you put anything out there, um, it would be obsolete by the time it was published. And, and same with Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week book. That's that is what it is. Four Hour Work Week. I um, had followed Tim Ferriss's blog when he was writing it, and I knew that a lot of what he said he was doing, he no longer did because the internet had shifted. The internet had changed. The principles of, of hustling and, and working hard were similar. But as far as like a how-to recipe book, uh-uh. Um, th there's too much luck involved. There's too much chance involved. There's, um, there, there's a lot of components that you can't control. And so there, there was no way I was going to write a how-to mommy blog and, and get rich and famous book the way this guy... Um, his publishing CEO guy wanted me to do. It just did not feel ethical in any way. So did not want to do that. Along the way, I was reached out to a few times by a few different um, kind of publishing houses that uh, were self-publishing, but if you pay them, they would do it for you. So in this day and age, it's called Vanity Press. And so if you gave them a certain amount of money, they would print for you a, um, a certain amount of books. Like, I don't know, like maybe a 5,000 book run. And if you paid for them up front, then you would be in charge of selling them and um, distributing them. And I got close to one of them, but he wanted, I think at the time, and this was at the old house, so this was probably, I don't know, maybe 2009-ish. He wanted $10,000 up front. 
And I didn't want to do that. And then he asked if I was the decision maker of the business. And I said, yes. And he said, well, then just make the decision. I said, no, this is something I need to talk to my husband about. And and I'm not going to make this decision on the phone right now. So I hung up. So then I, I remember walking into the kitchen and telling Adam about it and feeling really uncomfortable and like it was a hard sales push. And then the phone rang again. He called me back and he said, have you made a decision? I'll take your credit card now. And um, I blocked the call. So that happens. There are unfortunately some major scammy people in the publishing world. And if you start Googling how to self-publish, you will find them. And they um, are icky and, and kind of uh, parasitish. And I don't want you to fall victim to that because I know what it feels like to um, be scammed. And it, and it feels gross. So I never gave him money. But I have given other people money and never seen it again. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go into that in detail right now. But at one point I did partner up with some person and we were going to do a book together and it fell through and I lost $7,500 that I will never, ever see again. And, um, whatever, I guess that was a, an expensive learning mistake. So the self-published books that I put out on Amazon, I followed Steve Scott's, um, book that I bought, I believe for $4.99 on Kindle on uh, how to write a nonfiction book in 21 days or less. And I just followed his formula and then I just put it up on Amazon and it's just a little bit of money here and there, not a lot, not a ton, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that I wrote those four books during the pandemic in the summer where Sheldon was a baby. So he would sit in my lap on the back porch and I would type. Um, but, but following that Steve Scott book, I knew about how many words would work for a self-published Amazon book. And I just followed it. In episode 75, I interview Ruth. And Ruth is a self-published author who wrote a book during the pandemic. So it was a a fictionalized memoir. So it was fiction, but Ruth talks about how she used a similar approach to self-publishing and went for it and did it. And her book is on Amazon and, and you can get a hardback version and by hardback meaning paperback, Amazon will print it for you. And, and um, on Kindle. And I've read her book and other people have read her book. And it was just something she always wanted to do. And she decided to do it. And that's really what I would like for you to do. If you have a book in you, go for it. Do it. Don't worry about whether or not you are famous and whether or not a publisher will pick it up. Maybe, maybe they will, and and maybe they won't. Um, According to Facebook, I have 50,000 Facebook fans and one of those little blue checks that I haven't paid for next to my name, and it still took me probably 10-ish years, so we're in 2023, 10-ish years to, to finally find a publisher willing to take a chance on me 
for writing a slow living book. And it was because I started this podcast first and, and could prove to them that there was an audience out there. If you are writing a fiction book and you don't already have a fan base, it'll be really difficult to prove to a publishing house that they can invest in you and get money back. So don't. Just do it. Just put it out yourself. And then if it sells well, you have that track record that then you can spin and bring back to a publishing house and say, look, look at what I did. Since I started writing, there is a a new variety of publishing houses called hybrid um, publishing or, or hybrid press. So if you Google that, many of them will help you self-publish, but they will professionally edit and they will professionally package. And it's a better way to get into a brick and mortar store, a Barnes and Noble or a local bookstore. Um, if you self-publish without a, um, a, a publishing house behind you, it's really difficult to get into a regular everyday bookstore. It'll be up on Amazon, but if you want to walk into a bookstore and see your books on the shelf, um, looking for a, a hybrid press or a traditional publishing house um, is advantageous. As far as um, finding a literary agent, now probably the best way to look for an agent and connect with an agent is through LinkedIn. And that's free. And that's pretty phenomenal that in my lifetime and your lifetime and in my publishing lifetime, LinkedIn has um, happened. It's, it's been developed. It's so much easier now to just message someone through there and see if they're if they're interested in reading your query letter, interested in reading your proposal, or if you are, are writing a novel or a memoir, interested in reading the first two to three chapters. But I don't want you to think you can't do something. You can do anything. And just like my friend Jenny said over 20 years ago, it doesn't matter how many no's you get. Because you only need one yes. And trust me, I have collected so many no's. I don't have those query letter no's anymore. Um, In one of our last moves, I decided that it was bad uh, karma to keep them around. So I got rid of them all. And I think I probably saged the office at the time. Um, But it's not fun. Being told no is not fun. So... Do what you can do, which is to start writing. What does a writer do? A writer writes. As far as getting published, you can do that. You can put it up on Amazon in an afternoon if you want to. So don't let the the fear of taking the next step, the fear of the unknown, hold you back. You have no idea what's going to happen once you just keep moving forward. So, Follow those dreams. If you've got a book in you, now is the time. All right. If you have questions, email me. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Um, The next episode that's going to come out, I recorded with my friend Aaron Chase. Aaron is the $5 dinner mom. And Aaron essentially did the exact same thing that I did. Um, She started a website, No Money Down, and then ended up on TV, ended up with multiple cookbook deals, and is a pretty amazing, wonderful person. And same way I did, 
Um, she started something from nothing. We are in a time and a place where you can reach so many people just through your phone in your back pocket. And that is pretty amazing. All right, pretty people. I will see you again next week. You take care. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.